0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Coming out of emerge it's a little different because, um, you know, typically as I'm getting ready to preach, I, you know, I'm maybe... You know, writing and thinking out a little bit ahead of time, kind of processing through that in more in advance. But with something like Emerge, it's like, man, I wanted to feel it all the way through, right? I want to soak in every session and kind of write it, so to speak, if you will, as we go. And so that was part of the process of kind of these last few days to really say, okay, whatever God you're bringing, I want to I want to be able to release a part of that, what what God is doing right here this morning. So it was Lionheart theme. And so this morning, my message is titled The Lions Are Home. Come on, somebody. The Lions are home. (laughs) The Lions are home. And uh, I want to talk about how to lead your family into victory. You know, um, we, we love battling it out in the field or maybe even in the marketplace or in whatever sphere of influence God has brought us into, but I want us to just win out there. I want us to bring victory home. I want us to learn how to lead our homes, lead our families, lead our loved ones into victory. And I want to start by reading out of Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And Joshua took the handoff from Moses, right? He took the handoff. They're this massive leading God's people out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're heading towards the promised land. And now Joshua's in in this this seat of leadership and trying to lead courageously his people forward. But there's some kind of dissension in the camp. There's wondering, who are they going to serve? Is God going to be their God, the one who delivered them out of Egypt? Is that who they're going to serve? Or are they going to kind of bow down to the other? Other cultural idols and narratives and ideologies of the time, and so Joshua has kind of like a fed up kind of moment and a challenge to the crew. He says this in Joshua twenty four fifteen. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day. Someone say this day. This day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Come on, we're going to serve the Lord. How many men in this place are going to make that kind of statement that I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what's happening in culture. I'm making a stand and say, ask for me in my house. This is what we're about. This is who we're going to be. We're going to serve the Lord. I was thinking about that in, in relation to how are we going to lead our families in victory? How are we going to set that tone? How are we going to have that kind of courage? And you can see what Joshua does right from the get-go is he takes Full responsibility for his home. Take full responsibility. Right? We live in a time where we want to blame everybody, right? You know, it's their problem. It's the government's problem. It's the system's problem. It's my parents' problem. It's We've got all kinds of opportunities to blame everybody for my situation rather than just saying, you know, everything starts when I take full responsibility. Full ownership. Full authority. The, this goes obviously for us as men of our homes, but in every single one of our lives, everything begins to shift. When you make that declaration, I'm taking responsibility for this situation, right? I'm not going to live in like, you know, wallowing because everybody else is out to get me. in in this, even in this era that we live in, even with all the insanity, even with all the shutdowns and the lockdowns and the mask up and the vax up and all that, that stuff. One of the things I've always tried to encourage people, listen, you need to take responsibility of your life and your home. Stop blaming the government. Stop blaming everybody else for your situation. It's time to stand up and make a declaration about who you're going to be and what you're going to be about. All right, just half, half claps on that. That's cool. Maybe because, hey, listen, I, I'm here to, hey, man. Okay. Listen, I, I'm here to resist tyranny with everybody else. I'm about that life, you know what I mean? But I'm not about blaming the government for all of my problems either. Right, and there's an important tension there. Otherwise, you become just a victim to it, rather than standing up and saying, "No, no." As for me and my house, it starts here, and then it's going to work its way out. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this concept too. Um, and Zach, man, what a powerful story and testimony! I I love it when God just confirms. Like, if in case you missed it, the Holy Spirit was active in that in that conversation because I. I was feeling a a highlight of the two different guys who who spoke to the offering this Sunday, and and then the Holy Spirit was all speaking to him. I, I had no clue all that was going on, and I love how God does stuff like that. He'll line things up. He'll bring things together. A lot of times that's one of the most amazing confirmations of the power of God, the goodness of God, when he aligns things that could are completely impossible in the natural for someone to just uh, you know, have, have said or heard of, and all of a sudden now God brings it together. But um, taking full responsibility, I wanted to take kind of the same sidetrack that, that I did in the first service around this, because this was an area God really had to challenge me around finances, because... Uh, I I was a hard worker. I would always bring my tithe, but I always just felt like I'm just kind of barely making. I'm just kind of, you know, going through the motions of it, wishing I was further, wishing I could, you know, take care of the family differently. All all this this type of scenario. And the the problem was what I didn't realize is, is I wasn't taking full responsibility of where I was at. Dr. Matt uh, gave a book recommendation, which I pass on to all of you guys if you haven't already heard me talk about. It. It's called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by a guy named T. Harv Eker. It's not necessarily a Christian based book, uh, but it's, you know, all secular success books are just Bible principles that they've robbed and put their name on it, okay? It's, you, you will not find an actual success principle that works that isn't also in the Bible, okay? And that's true. I dare you. I dare you to try to bring something to me that's true. That's not all already in the word of God. I can't wait to see if anybody tries to bring something to me. <laughs> um, this, this is how powerful God's word is. is how powerful God's truth is, right? When he, 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 he challenges us. So, but I'm reading this, and God used that book to start. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, i got to pause. The reason why I was like, is there somebody else? It was Sean Walker. I want to give some honor to Sean Walker. Sean, can you stand up? Man. Dude. Sean was the games master, man. I don't know if that's like the official title or whatever, but that's sort of like what you did. He coordinated it all, made it all happen. And like we were talking earlier, it was less people like, You know, fighting out in the parking lot over scores because it was much better put together. We love Sean and Rafina Walker. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Um, So, going back to the the financial thing, one of the things, it's 17 ways that. Rich people think that the poor and middle class don't. And God used one of the first things is that wealthy people take full responsibility for their financial success. And God really used that to stir me, remind me that the Bible says that God gives you the power to create wealth, right? He gives you the power to create wealth. The Bible talks about the parable of the talents where God gives a certain amount uh, of resource and money to these different people. Then he goes away and expects you to multiply what you have been given. And they're blessed because they multiply. Well, I thought, man, the only way the, the two that, uh, of the the servants in that story that doubled their money, the only way that could happen is with intentionality, strategy, working a plan, getting creative. And the Bible's saying he's giving you power to create wealth. And I realized, man, if I'm not succeeding, if I'm not thriving in that, it's not because God has held me back because I'm doing the tithing. I'm, I'm being generous in that way. But if, if something's not increasing, then actually I'm not, I'm not taking responsibility, my part of it, for what God has called me to do to actually create it. The Bible says when you tithe, the windows of heaven are open. There's blessing and favor, which means that if it's it's raining on you, the biggest problem is that you don't have enough buckets to contain it right? If if the windows of heaven are open and God's favor is, is flowing to you, but you're not, you don't have enough to survive and you're barely making it, the question is, okay, maybe you need to get some more buckets, right? Maybe you need to create some multiple streams of income. Maybe you need to increase the size of the bucket. Maybe you need to get strategic, get, get thinking beyond, take responsibility where you're at. If, if you're not where you want to be financially, if you're not where you want to be in your marriage, if you're not where you want to be in your parenting, if you're not where you want to be in your health, wherever you find yourself, the way forward is beginning by taking full responsibility for where you're at. Amen. So, so with that, then thinking about our homes, the lions, our home and leading our family into victory, we take full responsibility in that. And some of you guys are married and you have kids like myself. Some of you guys don't have kids yet. Some of you guys, um, are, you know, not married yet, right? And But wherever you're at in the spectrum, maybe some of you guys got grandkids, wherever you're at in that, that season of life, you can you can own this message as couples, as individuals, as men and as women. But I, I, I'm, I'm leaning into the role of men in our homes in a specific way. And part of the way we take full responsibility is by becoming what I call a warrior farmer, okay? A warrior farmer. Farmer. The two don't necessarily seem like they're together. But when I was, when I was younger, uh, I was like, man, I either want to be like a pastor or I wanted to be a farmer, right? And we lived on this like five acres. And I just thought I like, I like watching things grow. I thought that was kind of cool. And um, so I started planting some corn. I started planting, created this like little uh, patch. And the problem is, okay, the, the seeds would, you know, the corn would start coming up. I'd be getting stoked. The stock's starting to grow a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I'd come out the next day, and man, that stalk would be just dis- eaten down to the dirt. I was like, what the heck is happening in my harvest, right? And I'd plant again, it would happen again, until I realize it's not just about planting, it's also about protecting, yeah. right? Right? I- I've got a plant, That's the farmer I got to protect. That's a warrior part. So we got to learn how to be warrior farmers in our life, in our situation, and as 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 leaders, as men, as as the lion has has sort of risen and stirred up in us. What does that look like in our homes? To lead in this kind of way, how how do we begin to see this? How do we build this out? How do we lead as a warrior farmer? And the first is is on the farming side of it. We got to learn how to be intentional. With the seed that we're sowing. Learn how to be intentional with the seed that we're sowing. Philippians 4 8, 9 says this finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, or you could put this, the, the, the visual there of sow, right? This seed, think about. Such things or sow these kind of seeds in your life and in your situation. So we got to learn how to become expert farmers. We got to learn how to to discern what am I planting in the field of my home, right? If I think of my home as a certain plot of land, a certain space where I'm sowing different seed, I've got to ask myself, what, what am I putting in the ground? I don't want to be an absent-minded farmer. I was just thinking about that. If, if you go to a farmer right now and say, hey, what kind of, what kind of uh, you know, crop are you growing out there? What kind of seed are you planting? A farmer's not going to be like, man, shoot, I don't even know. I hope it's good. Might be weeds, though. They look kind of similar when they're first growing out of the ground. No, you, you'd never be that as a farmer. When you, when, you got a, a, when you got a plot of land, you know exactly what you're putting in that ground. You're intentional with it. You're specific with it. You know the kind of seed you're planting because you, are, you plant with a harvest in mind. Farmers plant with a harvest in mind. Sometimes we just go out in our day and we're just throwing seed all over the place and just kind of not really knowing what's going on because we're not thinking with a harvest in mind. So, some of the stuff we're planting is bad, some of the stuff we're planting is good, and we got crops growing up all around us and we're going, land. man, I don't like this. I don't like this harvest. I don't like what I'm seeing. Man, I didn't sow the seed. Yeah, actually, you probably did. <laughs> actually, you probably did. And so, as farmers first in our homes, in our atmospheres, we have to learn to be intentional with what we're planting. Consider the seed. You know, if, if you're at merge, you know that talking about the seed getting in the ground and planting and sowing in the atmosphere of the seed became like a theme at conference, didn't it? It felt like everybody kept coming back to that. everybody, kept bringing that around. And it's because it's so important to know the seed that we're sowing. What are we putting into our lives? How do we get the right seed into our world? Obviously, the first is God's word, right? I want to get more of God's word into my heart first as like a leader of my home, but then also into my family. Uh, I brought these up as examples because this is why I ended up writing these uh, two devotionals for kids and for youth. 52 Bible verses for kids <laughs> and for youth. Right? Every, you know, it could be a verse a week. Take a year, memorize them, read through it a few different times, options. but it a little devotional and then some questions and then a statement of faith, a confession of faith related to the scriptures that are in there. Why? Because I want to make sure I'm intentional with the seed that's getting in the ground of the hearts of my daughters, right? I don't want to just leave it to chance. Just hope for the best out there, right? No, no, I got to get God's word on the inside of their life and starting on the inside of my life as well. It's also the words that we speak. To each other. You know, that's such an important part of the atmosphere of our home. Man, maybe your home growing up was a lot of negativity, a lot of cutting each other down. And sometimes I like to be sarcastic, I like to be, have fun, but sometimes we can use that as a mask for really wounding each other right? And I want to be careful in my home that while we want to have fun, we're not tearing each other down in our atmosphere, right? Sometimes I say, man, people closest to you really can have that ability to wound you, can't they? And that's true. And there's always going to be an element that you're going to have to wrestle, but there shouldn't be an intentionality like that. We want to make sure that, hey, man, when people come, when, when, you, when, when my wife and my girls and, and in the atmosphere of my home, I want it to be the place where they know, man, they're going to get spoken well of, They're going to have encouragement. They're going to have life spoken to them. I'm going to talk about how amazing they are. I'm going to bring a word of blessing and favor. And I'm going to let my words make sure they line up with God's words when it comes to how I speak to my wife and to my kids. I want to set that atmosphere by the words that I bring. Part of that then is we we got to navigate what kind of inputs, right, are coming into our world you know, I've said this before, but I think about the music. I I love country music. And, you know, there's a lot of good, you know, God and guns and and freedom and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I I love it. But there's also, you know, cheating and keying cars and, you know, there's all kinds of other stuff in country music too. So I got to ask myself, you know, what kind of stuff do I want to keep sowing into my mind and into my heart and into my life. I'm married for going on 19 years. I don't need to sing about cheating and leaving and all that kind of garbage. Why would I sing that? I don't care how catchy the tune is. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how fresh it is. I'm going to be intentional. So I, on Spotify, there's like a hot country playlist. Well, if you look at my phone on that, like half of them I've hidden right? Just because I'm like, I don't need to keep listening to that into my head. And not only me, but if I'm playing in the car and if I'm playing it at the house, then who else is getting in that atmosphere, right? My wife, my kids, and our, our, uh, our eldest is just like, I don't know that she really pays attention to lyrics too much. She just like likes music, but our youngest memorizes every word. She will like, just bust out lyrics to stuff and you're like what the heck who in the world allowed you oh that's me to listen to that song and they each have their own playlist building on spotify well what do i do before we add a song to the playlist we listen to it together right and it's oh such a great beat and usually i'm like oh you're right so catchy let's read the lyrics Oh, darn it. <laughs> Dude, there's this one song called like Roses or something a little while back that like you don't yeah. really, you cannot understand what she is saying in the song and it's the most driving epic beat. And then, so I was like, oh yeah, that's a really cool song. We should tell you how to play this. Let's just read the lyrics first. I could not read them out loud to you. <laughs> they are so inappropriate. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm good. <laughs> Same thing with movies right now. It's super annoying because we pay for all the services. Before, when it was just kind of wide open TV that a kid could watch, they were more censored in what they would put on TV. Now, because it's all paid services, man, I feel like half the movies getting released right now have just straight nudity in them. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not about that life. I'm not trying to put my eyes in front of that, right? Um... Because I'm trying to be intentional with what I put in. I'm trying to be intentional about the seeds that I'm sowing, right? And, um, and so I'm, I'm not going to be legalistic. I'm not going to put up a list of shows you can and can't watch. I'm not doing that. <laughs> the songs you can and cannot listen to. Zach's thankful. He got nervous. <laughs> he's got a real committed binge list that he's like, do not mess with that list, okay? <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that, right? I, I'm not trying to be legalistic. But I'm just saying, take Philippians 4.8 about what's good, lovely, pure, excellent, praiseworthy, all that, and once you overlay it over the kind of songs, the kind of movies, the kind of situations. Same thing, too. How, how do we watch the seed that goes into our life? It's also about the, the relationships, right? The circle, the people that, that are in your world, you know. Uh, I was talking to somebody recently, Was you know, they'd... Just kind of been in, you know, really successful business environment for a while. And, you know, the typical circle that he was running in was, uh, you know, round of golf, kind of get wasted at the clubhouse, Uh, you know, not really into integrity, not really into kind of relationship commitment. Uh, Even in business dealings, you know, a little shady as long as you could kind of get away from it. You know what I mean? Like commit to 100%, knowing you can only deliver 70 to 80% of that deal you committed to and just kind of still going for it anyways. And so that was like his world, his environment. And as he starts getting into church, as he starts getting the word of God in his life, as he starts getting transformed and going, man, I'm going to live right. I want to honor God. I want to treat people well. I want to live for Christ in every part of my life. He begins a shift uh, in his heart, which then began to change. Like, man, I, I can't hang with the same situation you know, there's going to be, maybe I'll hit the round of golf and I'm going to dip before I know what's about to happen. You know what I mean? And they had to break off business partnerships because they were unhealthy. There's several different things like that. We went through this process of going, Hey, I've got to change and I got to shift. Who's speaking into my life, right? Because that, those relationships make or break us and how we think, how we act and if I'm going to be intentional about the seeds that I'm sowing, if I'm going to be intentional about the inputs in my life, relationships and the circle are absolutely essential to that, right? And I always say this too for our kids. You know, sometimes people are like, oh man, I don't really like my kid's friend, but you know, they're like friends and I hate to like isolate them or something. I'm like, what? Are you, are you crazy? Like if, if, if there's somebody who's an unhealthy influence in your child, maybe it's minor, And everybody's just kind of grown through life. None of our kids are perfect, right? And so uh, we'll we'll just get that off the table. I understand that. Mine aren't, yours aren't. We're we're all growing through stuff. But at the same time, if you know there's a specific negative influence on your kid, remove them from that environment. They don't have to, they don't need to go over their house for hours of unattended attention. Have them come to church with you, right? You can see them then. You are the guardians. You're the gardeners right of your home atmosphere what seeds are we planting into our home amen or right, here's the second part of that uh once a seed gets planted now we gotta protect it whatever is planted has to be protected uh jesus shares a story, a parable about a sower, a farmer, and the seed that he's sowing on different ground. And based on the different ground, the seed, which represents the word of God, is producing differently. And I think part of it is a parable about sowing, and part of it is a parable about guarding and protecting. So in in, uh, Matthew chapter 13, I'm gonna go down a couple verses. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. What was sown snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that is sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. But when uh, when trouble and persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to one who hears the word and understands it. This is the one, uh, th- this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So in this situation, we're talking about the seed is the word of God. It's unchanging, it's powerful. And then it's talking about different kinds of soils, different environments. So part of it is as in my home, maybe right now the, the soil of my home feels a little bit hard or a little bit rocky or a little bit thorny. And as a as a good farmer, I got to start working the ground to make it better soil for the seed to go in well. So that is a part of this parable. The other part, though, is the protecting the seed part, protecting the crop. Just like I learned when I was little, man, these animals kept coming in and eating my harvest. and I had to learn how to protect it. I had to learn how to put berries around it. I had to learn how to do different things that give off a scent that would make the animals not want to eat the harvest that I had planted. In this situation, though, man, seed falls on the ground and birds come and eat it. Man, who's, where, where's the dad? right? Or where's the husband or where's the friend to come and swat those birds away? Well, why does a bird have to come and eat the seed? It shouldn't. It needs time to get into the ground and somebody's got to be the one who defends the seed until it's able to produce what it's supposed to produce, right? And each of these different soils plays a different role for us to learn how to become defenders, warriors of strength that we bring to the table to begin to defend the ground, right, that God has given us. Let's not just plant seed and then just sort of like hope for the best right? Let's plant the seed, we're going to water the seed, and then we're going to protect the ground until that seed is able to produce the harvest that it's supposed to produce. And how do we begin that? We begin in prayer. We begin that in prayer. You know, um, when every single Tuesday morning at five thirty in the morning, man, we have just the most incredible time growing together, building, getting in prayer. Right here this Tuesday, I can't wait to see you guys, and uh, th- this is where we learn how to pray with authority. And, and I want you to think of your prayer, whether you're a lion in here or a lioness, when you pray, that's when it's sort of like your spiritual roar that comes out. Well, when a lion roars, man, you feel it. When a lion is is just letting out a ferocious roar, everything around it is nervous, on edge, ready to run. The lion commands something strong. And you and me, as sons and daughters of the king, the true lion, the Bible says that Jesus is called the lion lion, of the tribe of Judah. And so when he roars, the enemy flees. When you begin to pray and you begin to operate in that, you can actually roar spiritually and defend your home. If something feels like it's off in your home, begin to pray. Right? Begin to release that spiritual roar, that that supernatural, God-given authority that God has put on the inside of you because you are his child, you're his son, or you're his daughter and i think about um the bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion right he imitates it he's a false like version of it he has no real authority he just tries to front like he does but you and me actually have authority from heaven the bible says when you submit yourself to god you can resist the devil right and so as you pray you're going to release this sound this roar this strength that will come out of you that's one of the most important ways that we defend our home so a lot of times we talk about praying in the name of jesus we talk about the blood of jesus right we took communion and and there's, the Communion represents when the children of Israel were being led out of Egypt and they put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost to protect it from the enemy trying to come in. When we pray over our home, when we declare God's protection over our home, the enemy is resisted, halted, and stopped. So we, we protect our home by being in prayer. We also protect our home by being present, by being there, by being just in the room right right just being being in the room when a lion doesn't even have to roar half the time to make sure that nobody gets stupid if if you walk up on the sahara you know some prairie and you see a lion there it don't need to be roaring for you to be nervous you're gonna be like you know what i'm gonna take a different path probably you know what i mean Right, I'm. A, I think I'm gonna go around. I think I'm gonna get back in the jeep. Uh, I think I'm gonna grab a gun. Like, I mean, you're, you're thinking all kinds of things to go. I gotta, like, this lion doesn't even have to be roaring yet to assert a level of strength that actually wards off the enemy just by being there, right? And in thinking about this, I think a lot of times the enemy tries to get us as lions, especially speaking to us as men of our homes and of our circles, he tries to get us as men distracted. And a distracted lion is about as useful as a kitty cat. (laughs) Right? I don't care how big you are, I don't know how big your mane is. I see a lot of clean-shaven faces today, too, after a merge. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I don't care how big your mane is. If you're distracted, then the enemy's going to be like, hey, I, I, can, I can sneak in there. The lion's not looking. The lion's not looking. So especially as men of our homes, we need, we need to say, God, help me be present. Help me be there. Help me to have eyes to see what's going on. I don't want, I don't want somebody else. Now I'm thankful for the community. Uh, People maybe see things in our spouse or in our children to go, hey, I don't know if you noticed this. And that's good, right? It's good to have friend circles and church community that can help you see issues in your family that maybe you had a blind spot to. But for the most part, I don't want everyone else to be the first ones to notice that there's an issue because I'm so distracted. I don't want to be so distracted from my home that, man, the enemy's just robbing me blind and I don't even see it is my brain somewhere else and especially in the first service i was like man i'm preaching to myself right now right i can be distracted i can be easily in that moment where i'm not seeing correctly and a distracted lion isn't very helpful <laughs> i need to be present i need to be praying and roaring but i need to be present i need to show up i need to be in the room i need to have the right friend circle you know the the seeds that are sown in a friend circle are important, but they're also a part of what protects as well. Right? Having the right friends to be able to speak life, to be able to call you out, to be able to challenge, to be able to bring truth is so essential. Right? I don't want to just do life on my own. That's one of the reasons why we do emerge. It's why we do Tuesday mornings. It's why we do this conference. Because you leave that a few days and you got a brotherhood. You got people. You're you've been battling for three days together, bloody. Right? J.D., I, I, I heard you almost broke your nose again this year, but not. Peter was telling me that bar came this close to wrecking your face. Last year, you broke his nose twice. He's so hardcore. I mean, I mean, it was like he broke her like oh my god he's like but i gotta get back out there i remember last year and he comes back i hit my nose again oh my god what is happening right now just looking like a warrior out there dude so no broken nose but still good year okay that's good that's good um you know we got to have the people in our world in our circle and that actually brings up kind of last before i close up our church family um, maybe as men in this room, church is a consistent thing for you and you lead your family there. Maybe it's been a hit or miss. I just want to encourage you. Church is never optional to a wise man. It, it, take it off the list of optional. Like every time you come to Saturday night, you don't be like, ah, should I go to church tomorrow or not? Like, let me save you 52 decisions a year. Like sometimes decisions wear us out. How about if I save you? 52 decisions, just make it a non-option. Every Sunday, you're going to be found in the house of the Lord. Every Sunday, when the doors open up, you and your household are going to be serving the Lord together. Make it a non-option. Right? It's essential. Non-option. We, we, we don't hold back from that. We lean into it. Why? It's not because I'm trying to get numbers. It's not because it looks better on some stat sheet as a pastor. It's not because uh, offerings. I'm trying to think of the reasons why people might assume I'm saying that. It's because I love you too much to see you alone, to see you isolated, to see you get disconnected. You know? Sticking with the um, kind of the the visual of the lion in the pack and the whole thing when 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 a predator type animal like a lion or cheetah or whatever is hunting and they're gonna hunt maybe some you know gazelle or whatever might be in all those National Geographic shows right what do they do they attack the the animal that's away from the pack right they don't they don't usually just go running into the herd and just start attacking like in the middle of it. It's usually they're kind of sitting on the edge of the herd until they see the isolated one, they see the wounded one, they see the tired one, and it's out here by itself and that's when the enemy comes in. So the key is stay in the pack. Right, stay in the house. Stay in the family of God. Don't get disconnected. Don't pull, your, don't pull yourself out of this environment. One of the greatest ways as a man that you can protect the garden of your home, can protect the seed that's in the ground of your wife and of your kids is to keep your family right here right in the family get on teams get in connect groups get in, in environments where you can grow together build together learn together and watch how it strengthens you watch how it guards and protects you as you chase after the purposes of god amen amen if you've received something want you, you've got a hand clap of praise for that Want the rest of us stand to our feet let's let's pray and then we'll turn back over here to pastor jesse in just a moment um i want to i want to i want to pray for every single one of us just any anywhere you feel like man this this hit home once you just begin to allow god to sort of speak minister to you I'll been talking the word of god has gone forth the holy spirit always begins to water he begins to let it land right where it needs to land so father i pray that throughout these different areas that we're talking about being a farmer being a warrior god strengthen our hands in that give us skill give us intentionality i pray in jesus name god give us the courage to lead well lead with strength lead our families into the house of god lead our homes our friend circles our the crew around us towards the things that are going to strengthen us and build us up. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, I wonder if just any of the men in the room would be honest. I felt like especially I was was in that first service and I'm going to raise my hand again. I felt that preaching to myself when it came to like the distracted lion thing. I I don't want to be that. I don't want to allow that in my world does anyone else want to lift their hand let me pray with any of the men in the room feeling like that might be specifically something you need a god to speak to you about father i thank you right now for every single one of these incredible men god we, we want to lean into our role into our calling into uh this moment of what you're doing in our lives we don't want to be distracted we want to be present We want to be in the moment we want to be in the room we want to be receiving from what you have for us and so god we we just make this decision today that we're going to be there we're going to be in the room we're going to be in the moment we're going to be present for our spouse if we're married we're going to be present for our kids god i thank you lord that just that presence is going to shift the atmosphere of the home It's going to unlock the home. It's going to ward off some of the enemy that's been messing with the home. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Put your hands down. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that the lions are home. The men of God are stepping up, leaning into who we are, what you called us to be. And the lionesses are home as well. I thank you, Lord, for the strength. Of our marriages come on anyone who's married in the room just hold hands <laughs> father i thank you for every every married couple that you would just minister life and hope to them i thank you god that they are building together that we are building just a beautiful love story in a greater way that romance would increase and intimacy would increase Relationship, and just that encouragement of each other. That the words we speak to each other will be words of life, and healing, and hope. In your name, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let, let me ask one more question before we we head out here, and we're talking about this roar, talking about this courage, talking about this boldness. But at the end of the day, all of that comes back to something not just in yourself, right? A lot of times in the world, in a superficial way, the roar of masculinity or the strength of femininity is about exterior performance and what we look like and our accolades and the front that we put up. But the roar that comes from men and women of God, the strength that flows from us is because of who we are surrendered to because we have decided to put our faith in Jesus. That's where the authentic strength comes from. Um, one, there's so many great stories coming from a merge conference, but one, one story I got to hear as we were all packing up and heading out was a story of a gentleman who he'd kind of been you know in and out of church or religion a little bit and had some connection with it but every time he would sort of you know be in church and worship services he maybe kind of open up his heart a little bit to like god and he would feel all this emotion like almost like he could start crying he would just shut the door really quick he's like ah i don't know how to handle that i'm not sure i'm about that so it was always kind of a very cold connection with god and on on friday night he wrote on his burden this this boar that we all then threw into the fire road surrender as if thing, man this is what i need this is what i need to do and they burned that and they prayed and there was breakthrough in that moment and then the next morning kind of the final sessions he goes man I, I fully surrendered and he goes worship was so amazing the presence of god was there he goes he, he went from like i don't like worship i try to avoid it sneaking late just get the message to i couldn't I couldn't get enough of worship i didn't want it to stop right i just i wanted more of god now that's what happens when we surrender right so with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed i want to ask this man or woman i i add the woman in there because first service somebody saw i was just talking to men right now so i thought i want to make sure everybody knows everybody can respond If you're in the room here this morning and you know your life has not been fully surrendered to Jesus you've never yet made that decision maybe for the first time to really say Jesus you are the leader and the Lord of my life I'm going to follow you maybe you've never made that decision this is your moment this is your opportunity in a moment we're all going to pray together and give you that opportunity to join us or maybe you've kind of done that in the past, but if you're honest, you feel far away, you feel disconnected. And you know, God brought you here today for this moment, sort of like drawing a fresh line in the sand and crossing over and saying, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm all in. I'm, I'm, as for me in my house, I'm leaning into his voice. I'm going to open up my heart wide to him. I, I'm, I'm going to surrender to him. The the Bible says in Revelation, Jesus says, hey, I stand at the door and knock. If you open it up, if you open the door of your heart, I want to come in, I want to do life with you. He says, I'm going to have a meal with you. He's going to bring you grace. He's going to bring you salvation. And he's going to begin to build a life that you could have never imagined as you surrender to him. So on the count of three, if you're around the room, maybe it's the first time you're giving life to Christ. Maybe it's a recommitment to saying, Jesus, I'm following you. I want you to lift up your hand boldly. Let me know who I'm praying with. We're all going to pray together with you. So if that's you, one, two, three. Just go and lift up your hand. Go and lift up your hand. If you say, that's me. Awesome. Awesome, amazing, proud of you guys. This is it. Sit. Come on, come on. Proud of you. So amazing. Here's what we're gonna do. So many great men and women raise their hand. If that was you, why don't you make your way, audience? Come down to the front. I just wanna shake your hand. I wanna pray with you. How proud of you of this, this lineup right now. And this fierce lady, any other ladies want to join, give their life to Christ, you're welcome to. <laughs> That's, I'm proud of you, it's amazing. That's why I said earlier, <laughs> ladies can come down too to see the thing. But I'm proud of each and every one of you men. I thank you for the God assignment that's on you, the the lion rising that's on the inside of you guys, the strength, the boldness, the courage. God is setting you free right now. God is healing you right now. God is restoring you right now. Salvation isn't just like a get to heaven ticket, a get out of jail or get out of hell card. Salvation is for eternity, but it's also for right now. And I just know God is healing god is restoring god is bringing you life and right now as you're fully surrendering to jesus he's meeting you right in this moment ministering life to your heart right now and here's what we're gonna do everyone around the room we're all gonna pray with you especially those up here i want you to pray this with courage i want you to pray this with boldness i want you to open up your heart to what God is going to do in your life. So church, would you pray with me? Repeat this after me, everybody. Say, "Heavenly Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to turn from my sin, to turn from my way and follow Jesus with all my heart for the rest of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Come on. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.